Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. Let's be real. Okay. We um, Let's get real right now. We got into it yesterday. Let's be transparent. Well, not got into it. I think we got... I got my feelings hurt yesterday by you. <laughs> bad. Well, not bad. In a silly bad. Have, okay. No, so listen, we play the, the truth is we never argue. We get along all the, time. all the time. We never have a fuss in the world. And in fact, we've never had an argument. <laughs> That's the first one in 23 years. <laughs> well. It wasn't really an argument. No, I pouted. Because, okay, so we play Game Pigeon together. I know This is very serious stuff. This is like real marriage material here. Well, I don't think, not everybody knows what Game Pigeon is. Okay, so if you have an iPhone and in your text messages at the bottom, you can open up all these different app type things that work in your iPhone text messaging. They're games. Well, one of them is games. So we open Game Pigeon and you can play pool together. I've never played pool in real life. I've played bumper pool. I'll tell you about that later. But so we started playing pool together several weeks, probably a couple months ago. How it works is you like if you were going first, you would break. And you would just like in regular pool. Does that mean you hit all the balls? Yeah, you hit hit your cue ball and you break it. And then if you don't hit any in, then I get a text message that it's my turn. And then I play on my phone and and I and I play. And if I hit a stripe or solid in first, then I'm stripes, then you're solids. And I hit as many as I can in until I miss. And then it sends you a text message that it's your turn. And then you play until you miss. Then it sends me a text. All right, all right. And bottom just, line no, is. No, no, we just go back and forth. Bottom line is I keep losing because <laughs> I'm not any good at this. I, dom- and, I dominate her. And it's- the problem that I have is usually we're sitting next to each other on the couch or something. We have also played this in bed yeah. at night. And these <laughs> weeks we're, we're laying right next to each other. But you want to play pool? You want to play pool? And and it's like. It's like the lazy version of pool. Yeah. So like- I'll be laying there and, and I'll play and then I'll hear your phone go. Because no. you got that, it got a text message, and you would play. Hold you go, on, Ding. you're gonna you're gonna steal my story again. Hold up. So I lose. She's still mad, everybody. I She's lose. Still, you, can see, you, you nobody can see your face. You can only hear her voices. But let me describe <laughs> it right now. She's laughing, but it's a mad laugh. And so you're not you're not over it yet, are you? What you're about to tell everybody, you're you're still not quite over it. Let yet, me are you? tell them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> are there horns that just came out of your head right there? <laughs> All right, tell them. Remember a couple of weeks ago when you just stole stole my story? Okay, anyway. So he's he turns his volume up, and I can tell he's about to win because he's like click, 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 click on the volume of his phone because he want to like announce to everyone that I am a loser and he is the winner no, of you- this round. And it goes dun, 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 dun. And it's, I said, that's rude. The like win, mine's the, always on silent. The winning iPhone makes that victory <laughs> music. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm and like, I, you're throwing it in my face. And I do happen when I hit the last ball in, it's on my phone. And so my phone makes the victory music. And I happen to turn it up all the way. Every time. Hold it high in the air. 
and let it go. Dun, 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 dun. And I guess she'd had enough. She'd had enough. Of I'd it. already said I had enough the day before. I was like, okay, you don't need to turn your volume up and brag <laughs> to everyone that you won in the whole house or to make yourself feel better. And I was like, rude. So then yesterday he does it again, like the seventh or eighth time in a row. And I'm like, I'm not playing you anymore. You can't win if I don't play you. I, I don't see what the problem is. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I understand it can be annoying. It's like spiking the football in the end zone in your face seven times in a row. Okay. You haven't won seven <laughs> times in a row every time. No, you told everybody I won seven times in a row. I wish I could go back and check. Actually, actually I probably could go back no, and check. No, you probably don't want to because it's probably more than seven. <laughs> so the is. reality is I'm the pool champ in my house. And I did not realize that you were getting so upset. I thought you were just like, you know. Look, you won, I won. That, you, oh, now, why did you win that one? It's because I accidentally hit the eight ball in. I still won. <laughs> and I couldn't get the volume because I have my phone on silent all the time. I couldn't get my volume up. Otherwise, I would have done it to you. So I guess what we're trying to say, folks, is. Um, this is real deep marriage issues. <laughs> th- yes. This. Th- you want to tell everybody how we used to solve our problems when we were young, young married? So I think I'll, we still do. A little bit. When Kirsten and I are, it's a, it's a miracle, to be quite honest with you, that we survived the first two years of marriage. A definite miracle. You know, they say that the first two years are the hardest. So everything I've read, so the first two years are tough because um, you take these two personalities, you try to mesh them under one roof. And they say around year 10 is kind of a tough benchmark. Seven. Um, I think it's seven around year 25 for some reason, uh, their troubles, you know, not everybody, of course, it's just on averages. Well, I think around year 25, all the kids are gone and you realize, Oh, it's just us, you know? And, but our first two years of marriage was, was very difficult. If you're on year 25, you play, (laughs) play game pigeon. pigeon. No, no. Here's what Kirsten did. And and it's not like we didn't love each other and we didn't just immensely love being together. But you know, um, when you've got two domineering personalities, like we are, we're very driven people. We're very, you know, we have an opinion, we speak our mind, um, we fight for the silliest things. And that was the thing in our first two years of marriage, we would, you know, we, we would just stupid, stupid. Everything was stupid. It was like, you know, I can't even think back that far, but I remember we like argued. Who's gonna pump the gas? Argued a lot. Whose job was it to take the trash out? No, it's your job. No, it's your job. And that's probably what a lot of, a lot of couples go through. But eventually, I don't know where this came from, and it was probably something over stupid, like who's gonna take out the garbage. And I finally said, or you said, one of us said, "I'll paper rock scissors you for it." Yep. And I'm like, fair enough. And, and so it was best two out of three. And, um, and and then we started paper, rock, scissoring everything, everything, everything. Who's going to change the diaper? Who, yeah. Who's, who's everything. And you know what? Bottle. We live by this rule. We will paper, rock, scissor. And whoever wins, that is, that is it, the rule. And believe it or not, it, it didn't take very long. But we found ourselves laughing over the stupidest stuff. We're really going to paper rock scissor over over who's going to change this diaper. Yep. yep. And it's like, are we really going to paper <laughs> rock scissor over who's going to put that spoon in the dishwasher? Yep. yep. <laughs> and so we just pay. So we used to joke several years later after that. We don't do it very much now, but. Oh, I thought we should write a book together called How Paper Rock Scissor Saved Our Marriage. Yep. And, and and it did. And we realized I mean, through that. Like 
it didn't like, but you know what I mean. So for sure though, we both lived by it. We both said, whoever wins this, we have to just, and then we there were variations to, like, of it. That. So it's best out of three, Always. you know? And so if you won like two in a row, then that was God's will. Yeah. You know? So I was like, Hey, you know, like, Oh, it wasn't one to one split. That was two. Oh, boom. But this is God's decisive will. It's we, like, it's like casting lots in the Bible. We, we can pretend that this was a thing of the past, but I can promise you we've already paper rock scissored this week and it, it happens all the time. I don't know. We don't, not we, as often, not nearly as because we, we just laugh off the stupid. We don't get nearly, as we, I don't think I don't think we ever get worked up anymore about stupid stuff. We laugh it off most of the time, unless it's game pigeon. But you know, sometimes people ask me, um, um, "Do you paper rock scissor about everything?" <laughs> Back in the day, we sure did. How do you think Neil got here? Joseph, <laughs> no. <laughs> Speaking of firstborn sons, oh my goodness, we uh, had a very interesting conversation at lunch yesterday after after my sermon. Um, we were there. Um, we had we had gone out after after church Which for lunch. Which is kind of rare for us to yeah. go out for lunch. It was nice, but yeah, especially during football season. I know. Usually, it's the Chiefs were playing. In usually, the it's record so. the first half of the Chiefs game, get home, and. And hopefully start watching the Chiefs game and then catch up live by the fourth quarter. Eat something out of the crock pot or something. Right. But but, but they weren't playing. Chiefs weren't playing until Sunday night, which they won, by the way, in overtime. Woo woo. But anyway, um, at lunch. We started discussing everyone in our family. This might be something interesting for you guys to all do. Well, too. before you say that. Oh. The, the, you got to build the context of why we're even discussing it. Cause the sermon was about the Passover, yeah. the 10th plague. Cause we're in studying through the book of Exodus and it says in Exodus 11, one through three, um, God is talking to Moses and he says, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And then after that, he's going to let you go and says, tell people to, you know, get, you know, ask your neighbors for gold and silver and all that stuff. But then he says this, um, about midnight, I will go through Egypt and every firstborn son in Egypt will die. And you'd kind of brought up, man, if we were living in Egypt, how many family members yeah, would who? we have lost that night? We asked our and, boys and we're like, well, can- Neil right away goes, well, I'd be gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you are firstborn son. My dad. We'd have lost your dad. Um, if, uh, if all of our family, my brother, your brother would have been gone. Um, I would have lost, Two nephews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got to thinking about that going. I mean, it's a little bit morbid, but it's like, but dude, it was, our, it our was family would have been hit hard. But it was a good way to apply it so that we could like make it real for us. Like, had we lived in that day and how would it have affected us? And imagine if immediately all of those people out of our own family were just gone. Well, losing any of them. Even right now at this point, it would be a devastating loss. Well, but, for sure. But I mean, to lose all, all of them, them like that. Um, Brock, my youngest, was real quick to pipe <laughs> in. It's like, I'd have survived it. I'd have made it. I'd still be here. And he kind of said it with a little bit like, what else do you need? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who else do you need? I, I would have survived because I'm the yeah, baby of the family. You are, I'm and the you youngest. act like a baby. Oh, come on. Come on. But I'm the youngest. 
But um, I would have survived that night. Brock would have survived. But man, when you really think about it, it, it brings it home just how devastating that plague was. And you think about the first nine, how it devastated the country. But that tenth plague devastated the people. Well, and we were talking about it because at first, I mean, some of us were asking, "Is it the firstborn or the firstborn son?" Because that that makes a big. I think that makes a big difference. And well, so we kind of fell, we decided that it was the firstborn son. Yeah, that's actually an aspect I haven't really thought about. I'm going to dig into that a little bit more because I had some questions about it. Is it the firstborn son, which means if your firstborn was a daughter and your secondborn was a son, is he your first, right. firstborn son? And I, honestly, because of course, then our oldest I've was never, like, well, that's really the only important <laughs> child. <laughs> I'm like, oh my word! <laughs> Neil needs to be slapped once in a while, I think. <laughs> but, but you know, I, you know what? And I'm sure there's the answer out there. I just never really thought about. It. I'm going to find the answer. But yeah. if it's the firstborn son, meaning if your oldest child was a daughter, and then your your first son is also included, then the devastation would be, you know, I mean. But just because you're a middle child doesn't mean you're protected. But, you know, I'm going to dig into that a little bit yeah, more. Sure. I, I can't say with confidence that that's correct. But we all know that there was not a house in Egypt that was without a dead body in it. And the experts say that would be somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000 people dead in one night. I mean, this was a devastating plague mm-hmm. that um, that got brought onto Egypt. And all because of Pharaoh's hard heart. You know, he could have relented at any time. But he didn't do it. And when you think about it on a personal level, that is that is really... Yeah, that's heavy. That is very heavy. Yeah. Boy, this podcast really died. Man, <laughs> man. We didn't mean to go down that We went road. from like laughing and jovial <laughs> to... Wah, wah. Well, but it was it was a good perspective for us to kind of apply that, that plague. I mean, we've been talking about all of them for the last few weeks. And for us to be able to say, okay, this is how this would affect us. Like we talked about frogs being in our sheets that's gross and how you know boils and darkness and all that stuff but yeah this this one i mean you can see why everybody would be weeping and just absolutely a mess right you know i think this sermon really spoke to my heart quite a bit because it's such a strong connection to jesus you know that there is no doubt at all that the the deliverance story of exodus parallels the deliverance story of Jesus. And and that all becomes very clear in these two chapters, chapter 11 and 12, and also into chapter 13. I mean, that's why we're spending several weeks just with these few verses here. You know, Mm -hmm. I told the church on over the weekend, I said, I have a very creative sermon title, The Passover Part One. (laughs) 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 That that is the height of creativity right there. But but really, um, there are multiple parts of this and as I'm getting more and more into this, and I've studied this out before, but it had been a while, but to be reminded in such a fresh way that this Passover feast that they had to do that night of the 10th plague and what set the stage for all the Passovers after this was really uh, this perfect sacrificial lamb that gave its life and the blood was used to cover the doorpost and the death angel passed over because mm-hmm. it recognized that these people are with God. Mm-hmm. What a powerful visual. And how it relates to what Jesus has done for us. Like like the Passover lamb of Exodus is the picture of Jesus Christ for us today. Mm. And where you have like the Israelites, God's people, who were in slavery and God sent a savior, Moses, 
to rescue the Israelites from slavery and lead them into the promised land, that whole journey of Exodus. And then you look at, you know, our story where, where we today are in slavery to sin and God sent a savior, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and to rescue us and lead us one day to our own promised land, which would be heaven. So these two stories, Exodus and the gospels, they go hand in hand. And it's just a powerful reminder about that. And I, and I even studying this out again and trying to put exact language on it that the church could understand. I was just, you know, I was deeply enriched in my study mm-hmm. um, with this picture of Jesus that that is so clear and it's all over the New Testament. And, and it really, I mean, not that I needed affirming. I believe this with all my heart, but right. it was like, yes, that is true. And I hope that it came out that way. You know, I told the, the church over the weekend. It was okay. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate your vote of confidence on that one. But um, when I was working on this sermon, I was reminded of, and I told the church this, I just thought it was pertinent that uh, I told the church that I was listening to this progressive preacher. He's a false teacher um, that um, I listened to him from time to time. And and I joked with the church. I don't know why I do that. I do not. Why, why do I subject myself to such torture? And, and, it, and, and it was so false and wrong and unbiblical that I had to go wash the heresy, heresy res- out of your ears. the heresy residue out of my do ears. Do you write you know that into your message? Do, do, do you Well, write I, that? I write the note, tell people about that. And I actually, tell I did. Tell people about did, the heresy in my notes. In my I wrote heresy residue in my notes. Oh yes. my goodness. Yes. It was a pre-written joke <laughs> in my sermon. <laughs> it was planned. And it was a good one, by the way. And everybody laughed. I so. want to be the one in the back row that's like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> they all turn around and are like, oh, it's me. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, full confession. I wrote that joke into my sermon. But it's true. It's true. And I wrote that joke. I got it myself. So anyway, but I listened that, I listened, what I'm trying to go with this is when I was listening to him preach that, whatever it was, that sermon to his church, and he told them. I know. That you do not have to believe, literally believe, you don't have to believe that Jesus lived, died on the cross, shed his blood, and rose back to life. You don't have to believe that, he said, to be a Christian. And I was so He's taking away all their hope. Like, they're, what do they have hope in? He's then? stripping Jesus of all his authority, is, stripping the Bible of all its authority. He's bringing it down to a human level. And basically what his point is, is that what's more important is that you act like Jesus, not necessarily believe in Jesus. That's that was his whole sermon. As long as you act like Jesus, you're in good shape. Of course, he also believes that there is no hell. He also believes yeah. that um, all religions lead to heaven and that everybody you know, worships the same God. We just have different expressions. I mean, there's a lot of messed up stuff. But when he said that to his church, that just hit me, especially after studying so in-depthly this whole concept of the Passover and how Jesus Christ is the perfect picture of the Passover lamb that was selected without defect, who shed its blood for the deliverance of the people. And to hear him say that it just, it really did make me mad. And I just, I don't know, maybe it was a personal thing for me. Maybe it was, well, you, maybe it was you, my response yeah. to him. I don't know, but I wanted our church to know. Well, a false that, teacher. Oh, I mean that that's a different level. And I mean, you're passionate about it. We should probably do a whole a whole podcast just on false teachers because I know that that's something that you not get excited about is the wrong term, but get like just you know that's just what gets you. You get me fired up. Yeah, you can get me fired up real quick when you start 
you know, denouncing God's word, you know, you know, trying to devalue uh, the role of Jesus. When you try to take the salvation power out of the work of Christ, you, you start that kind of false gospel preaching. I'll get fired up really quick. Um, and I, and I'm really not so much concerned about him as much as I am the people that are listening yeah. because of all the people who should, should know better. It's him for sure. And people come to church looking for truth. Look, they're hungry for a connection with the Lord. They're coming to learn and to grow and to experience community and have somebody in that position absolutely lie to them. You know, I, it reminds me of like what Jesus said that, you know, if any of you causes one of my little ones to go astray or to fall, it would be better mm -hmm. if you just tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the river. That's pretty strong language. And that's how I feel about these false teachers. Yeah. But to hear him say that, to, to tell his church that you can actually be a Christian without actually believing in Christ, um, boy, it just, it just, and so this right here in Exodus and the gospels paired together with this Passover lamb mm -hmm. absolutely tells a completely different story. And I wanted our church to be very clear that if you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood there, mm -hmm. you can't be a Christian. Right. You can't do that unless you believe it. And that's why Peter said, he said, hey, Jesus bore our sins. How did he do that? He bore them in his body on the cross. Mm -hmm. He physically went there and, and he died there to sin so that we could live. You know, First Peter two twenty four says, "He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I got pretty fired up. This one meant a lot to me. Now, this is just the beginning, too. I mean, that's just the, the picture of the Passover lamb is a picture of Jesus, and it also sends this very clear message, just like with the Israelites, if they had not been protected by the blood of the lamb, if they had not done that, then they would have suffered the same fate. As the, as the Egyptians. So they were literally protected by the blood of the lamb. And it is no different from us. Unless you are protected by the blood of Christ, when death comes and it's going to come to everybody, you'll be completely unprepared. And I really hope that everybody took away that, that message on Sunday. And now next time we're going to dig into more of this Passover, you know, about this meal they ate. Passover and part two. Passover part two. And, you know, without preaching my whole sermon right now on this podcast, but how they ate that meal and you know all good all good things in the bible revolve around food of course and so you know they they ate a meal together and they did it every year it was the pat they did it at passover yeah. and they recounted their deliverance from the egyptians that's all under the old covenant but now when jesus came and remember the night before he was or the night of the, he was arrested he told his disciples what this is the new covenant mm -hmm. in my blood and whenever you eat this meal, so we're still talking about food here. Yeah. Whenever you eat this meal, remember me. Rem remember what specifically? Well, just like the Israelites remembered their deliverance from the Egyptians and slavery and went on into the promised land, mm -hmm. Jesus said, Jesus saying, when you guys come together and eat this meal, this, this remembrance, what are we remembering? We were remembering that Christ died for our sins and because he shed his blood, there is a brand new covenant, a once and for all sacrifice. So every time we eat this meal, so to speak, on Sundays and Saturday nights, when we worship these four services and we're sharing this meal. We are actually sharing a remembrance of our deliverance through Jesus Christ. That's what the whole new covenant 
is about. And what I find, and I'm going to talk it's about why we do it every week here. I mean, yeah. I mean, the early church did it every week. Not every week. church does it every week, but yeah. that's why we do it. And the early week. church, it was actually a full on meal. Yeah. And, and, and anyway, I, I don't want to, I don't want to preach my whole sermon this weekend right now, but I mean, might but, as well. Well, I might as well. Come on. Come on. Well, so anyway, <laughs> but what I found, I'm going to talk about this in the upcoming sermon, but the Lord intended, and, and you read this in Exodus, that when you eat this meal every year with your family, you are to use that opportunity to teach your children about their own deliverance. And it was supposed to pass generation for generation. And I thought, man, what a powerful picture. Like even the Bible says, when they ask you, what's this for? And why do we do this? You tell them about Moses. How awesome would it be when, when your children see you taking communion and they ask the question, what is this for? It's something that God created that we do every week as a teaching tool, not just as a worship remembrance tool, but as a teaching tool to impress the truth about our own deliverance through Jesus Christ um, to our kids mm-hmm. when we share communion. What that meal, what a powerful, powerful. And then what did Jesus say? I will not eat this meal again with you until I eat it with you in my father's presence. So, hey, all good things about Jesus revolve around food. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Kirsten's voice is a little raspy today. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is a little bit. Why is it so why is it so raspy? Well, I would say it's wrestling. I went to a wrestling tournament this last weekend and cheering for my kid. I I mean, you literally like sit and wait for hours and then there's like six minutes of like full on screaming, cheering on your kid. And I guess I got a little carried away. (laughs) You you must have got a little too aggressive. So it's a preseason tournament. And so So this is just preseason. Just like you said, there was a lot of sitting around. There's a lot of sitting around. Your parents were with us this weekend and your dad doesn't sit around very good. And so he started walking laps around the gym. He walked like seven miles. Seven miles. in the loop. Throughout the the course. Yeah, there was a walking track above the gym and he kept his track of his steps and counted and he walked seven miles I was like, throughout the wow. course of the whole day. I should have gotten up there with him, but yeah. So I lost my voice just hollering because uh, Neil got to go all the way to the championship, but he fell yeah. in the championship. He did really game. good, but he lost just barely. I, just, I called it a game. I still do that. It's a wrestling My match, whole life tournament. has been football and basketball. And Joe and I've talked about, we both played soccer. So this wrestling match stuff, I keep calling it like, oh, when's your next game? I mean, match. I think we finally have the scoring figured out. It took and, us a while. And the outfit. I was calling it a onesie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, mom, it's a singlet. It's a singlet. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. Yeah. The, the, the single. I the wouldn't singlet. be caught dead in one of those. No, we don't want to see you in one of those. This is true. Nobody now wants. Have just I don't want to everybody. I don't want to see myself in one of those. Think Andre the giant. Oh um, coming out. <laughs> bad visuals here. Bad visuals. Oh goodness. Oh, but no. anyway, so your voice is is uh, it's holding out okay, but I can tell it's pretty raspy. Yeah, well, trying to sing and worship was a little difficult this weekend too, but it, it's all good. So we've got we've got three months coming up here of some of wrestling. So we're looking forward very to very much so. And on that note, we also want to just thank everybody who has been listening to this podcast, and we would cheer for you if we could, but Kirsten doesn't have the voice to do it, but <laughs> 
we just want everybody to know that has taken the time to email us or respond to this or just catch us in the hallways at church or wherever. Message us. Just message us. Thank you so much for your feedback. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Kirsten and I always joked that um, we'd love to do a podcast and hear, what do we know, eight or nine episodes into it? Something like that, yeah. And we always joke that we will do this as long as people are interested in it. And if the only people that listen to this podcast are moms, then we're probably not going to keep doing it. But, (laughs) but, uh, if we, you if you have anything that you want to email us about, ask a question or whatever, um, please do so at under the hood at newlifenwa.com. Uh, you can also yeah, find us. Yeah, if you've us got questions or our, whatever, just we'd love to hear from you. Give yeah, us some feedback. We'd love to uh, answer your questions if we can. And so mm-hmm. it's under the hood at newlifenwa.com. You can also check out all the show notes at newlifenwa.com slash under the hood. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show.